morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Great. Good. Good to see you. Glad that you're here. Welcome to New City Matthews. It's good to be uh, in the room with you. Hopefully already you've discerned, um, again, just um, God's presence, God's goodness in your life. And just to sing about that is always, always um, good. And I pray that you continue to just feel like you can breathe and, and lean in this morning. Um, my name is Nick Schreiber. I'm the care pastor here at New City. And if you're visiting or new, we're just glad that you're here. We're glad you found us. We're glad you're, you're checking us out. And we hope that your morning is, is, is great. Um, and I would just, let me just echo what you just saw on the video. Um, and if you're not in a community group right now, I would highly recommend uh, coming to GroupLink. Um, you know, you, you go to GroupLink and you'll, you'll learn more. Uh, even if you go, it's not, you're not, you don't have to sign your name in stone anywhere. But if you are looking to get connected to a group, um, it's probably the best, one of the best ways to do that here at New City. And, you know, we, we definitely believe that, um, that the heartbeat is that we want everybody to, to be in a group, to be connected. We believe that our growth, our faith in Jesus grows best in community. And we don't, we don't want anyone to walk alone. Um, and so there's, if you come next, next Sunday uh, to South Park, um, you'll be able to just kind of check it out. There'll be tons of groups that are available for you to get plugged into. I know I'm in a group right now, and it's been fun to watch um, just friendships get created for the people to, to encourage, care for one another, for us to open up the Bible, talk about it together, and we want everybody to be a part of a group like that. And so there's still time. Um, it's next week, February 5th. Isn't it crazy how we're already in February pretty much? Um, the time is moving. Let me just say one thing really quick, too. This is really off topic, but just I just want to say it, and I won't go back to it. Um, I'm a big Chiefs fan, um, and so I'm wearing my red today a little bit. You know, you'll see it in the collar. So just know there is something going on tonight um, as well, uh, big game tonight. But, hey, it's always a privilege whenever I'm able to preach the word of God to the people of God. Um, and I do, I do I just hope that these next few moments are encouraging to you. Um, I've actually really appreciated this, this series that Pastor Rodney, Pastor Chris have been leading us through. It's been, I think, really helpful, but also um, just, just very timely as it's caused me to be very mindful, uh, no pun intended, well, actually pun intended, um, mindful of just all the thoughts, all that my mind does go through in a day. Um, actually, I was looking up this week just how, how in Scripture, in the New Testament alone, the, the scriptures use the word mind upwards of 70 times. And so it's no small thing. And in the, in the series is how do, we, how do we disciple, how do we train our mind so that it resembles and imitates the mind of Jesus? And, and so it is this journey to the mind of Jesus. And how do, we, how do we take advantage and steward all the thoughts that we think on a daily basis? Hey, before I go any further, though, I would like us to read our passage this morning together. And so if you could stand, and, and I'm going to read it as you follow along. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 5 through 8. Here's the word of the Lord to us today. Scripture says, this is Paul writing to Timothy, who's his spiritual son, who's also a young leader. He says, I, rem I remember your genuine faith. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that, some, that that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord, and don't be ashamed of me either, even though I am in prison for him. With the strength that God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Now before you sit, let me just highlight our key verse this morning, verse 7. And I'm going to actually use the King James Version because I think it more closely connects to that last word in, in what the Greek is saying there in that original. But it says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You may be seated. Let me just pray for us. Lord, we just we give you these next few moments. We... We ask that you would cause us to, um, to believe that statement that you've given us, not a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. And would you use these next few moments to call us to that, to help us embrace it. And so speak to us, Father, we pray. All this in your son's name and all God's people said, amen. This ability that God has created us with, this ability to think, um, is both an, both an incredible and awe-inspiring gift, so the beautiful mind. We've been given this amazing, beautiful gift of our minds, but at the same time, it's also a real place of struggle. How many amens? I mean, I think, I think we all can relate. I mean, if we describe our mind, we'll say it never stops. At times, it's chaotic. At times, it's, it's not controlled. It's, I, it's not healthy. Um, at times, I think about things. I don't know where it comes from, and I want it to be more steadied. And I think about, I, and I, I think about this, though, too. If David did not struggle, David, you know, king of the, in the Old Testament, writer of the Psalms, I was thinking about how if David did not struggle with his thoughts, if he didn't battle anxiety and depression, we probably would not have the book of Psalms that's in our Bible. Because in that book, um, you see David modeling for us how to, how to continually take our thoughts, what's in our mind, what's in our heart, and lay them before the Lord. To go to the Lord and say, would you help me with this? And, and I think in the book of Psalms, what we see is him taking those thoughts, his words, surrendering them to God, putting them on paper, and we have the, the prayer book. We have the book of Psalms. And that's why the Psalms resonate so well with us, because we, we know those struggles. We know what it's like to have, have those minds, those thoughts of doubts or fears or anxieties or, or different things that we're struggling with, and, and David teaches us to bring them. But don't miss the creative beauty in which we have been made by God with this ability to think, to have intellect, to have volition, to, to be created with a mind. And speaking of the Psalms, David even says in Psalm 139, he says this. He says, I praise you, God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. I know I've been created wonderfully. And I know, I have the ability to know that you are, that you've made me this, that you are good and you deserve all praise. Your works are wonderful. Dr. Caroline Leaf, kind of a leading uh, uh, voice in the, in the world of the mind and, and our thoughts and even coming from, it, from a Christian perspective, she says this. She says, the process of thinking and choosing is the most powerful thing in the universe after God. It is, it is a phenomenal gift to be treasured and used properly. 
So it's a phenomenal gift, but we need to treasure it. We need to use it properly. And be, but because of sin, so I'm going to transition here a second, but because of sin, remember we are sinners by condition. We have a sin nature, and we're sinners by choice. We've all sinned. That because of sin, although we've been created and, wonder, and, and, and wonderfully made by God, we also carry depravity because of sin in our bodies, and that includes our brains, that includes our thoughts, and sin causes our minds and our thoughts to be bent and broken. And this is why we're talking about this in this series, is because even though in, in our minds there is this depravity, we are broken, we, all, we do need to train our mind, but this is why we are called as Christians to go, hey, but how do you even use your mind to love God and to worship Him? How do you steward your mind and disciple your mind so that you can think about the things that he's called us to think about? How do we take care of this incredible gift and all the thoughts? You know, we've, we've heard that 50 to 70 thoughts go through our brains a day. And so this idea of a train station with all these thoughts coming in, how do we control it? How do we make it sure that it navigates and goes in the right and appropriate and honorable places? Which is where, if you look, remember the series, part one, we talked about that idea of just train station. And we talked about it from first, first Corinthians chap, or 2 Corinthians chapter 10. How do we take our thoughts captive? And then part two, we talked about train wrecks. And we talked about it from Romans chapter 12. And, and really it was this idea of how do we avoid train wrecks by allowing God to transform our minds. And then last week in part three of the series, we talked about train tracks. How do we help lay these new pathways these new train tracks down. And, and we've talked about it from Philippians chapter 4, where, man, Scripture calls us to think about those things that God thinks about. Think about those things that are true and honorable and pure. And now, and today, today we're going to talk about train engines from 2 Timothy chapter 1. Um, I brought some friends with me today. You're probably like, what is he doing with these things up there? But I brought, you guys remember... You guys remember Thomas, you know, from your days of old? Uh, I bet you if the theme music came on, you'd be like, oh, it brings you back. It brings you back, you know, Shining Time Station, Thomas, and all of his friends. Um, well, and I have with me, I have Percy as well. I have an unnamed coach car, and I have Winter Caboose. I thought that was appropriate, so for a few more weeks, Winter Caboose. And, and, and the question I have before us that we can linger on is which which train, which car is the most important up here? Which one is the most important? And, and here it is. It's Thomas's. Even though Percy or the winter caboose, they might fight over that. But Thomas is the most important. And why? Because Thomas, at least in this, this train, is pulling the train. Thomas is leading the way. The train engine leads the way. And so for this illustration, the idea is the train engine drives the entire train of thought and sets the destination and sets the pace, and he pulls all the others with it. And so the engine, that leading thought, that which controls our thoughts, is the most important. And so if we use this train analogy, you have Thomas, the leading thought, the train engine that leads the way, and he's pulling with it the stored, if we're thinking about our minds, the, the stored memory. It's pulling with it the emotion. He's pulling with it the feelings. He's pulling with it then, and it leads to the words or the actions. And so it all starts, though, with that train engine. And so the question before us is, what are those things, not just, not just how does our brain work, but why do we think the things that we think? 
And, and what's, the, what's the core there that's driving even my thoughts? Because that's most important. It's not just about how we think, but it's what's the driving foundationally our thoughts. Because that's what we need to then intentionally be mindful of. Now, I am going to mix metaphors here for just a second. I'm going to miss children's stories. Um, because just, just, just go with me here. Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 2, or 2 Timothy chapter 1, is saying to Timothy, he's, well, he's not saying to him this, you're, you're, Timothy, you, you're that little engine that can, that, that little engine that could. He's like, no, you're not the little engine that could. You guys remember that story? That little engine that tries to make it up the mountain to save a village or bring Christmas to, I forget the story, but all that say, that, that phrase, I think I can, I think I can. Sadly, many of us, even as Christians, we embrace this mantra. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And that's this idea of power of positive thinking. And again, there's something good about thinking positively, for sure. But that isn't what the scriptures teach us. It's, it's, it's not, I think I can, I think I can. What is it? It's, it's God can. It's not, I think I can, I think I can. It's God can. It's like those AA principles of old says, I can't, God can, and so I think I'll let him. And this, that's the irony of the Christian life, really, is that our growth is not tied to our strength. Your growth is not about, hey, becoming more independent. It's actually about being more dependent on God. It's not, it's not, it's not about, hey, I can make it on my own. It's about, no, you need to know your need. You need to know how much you need God because that moves you to cling to him and embrace him. On my own... I think I can, I think I can, it leads me all over the map. It doesn't drive me to God, but this idea of going, no, but God, you give me something that I desperately need because apart from it, I will always move this way. But God, when I know that you are the one that leads me to cling to him and to his help and to his resources, and what has God given us? Well, our verse, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but apart from God, that's where my, my heart, that's where my mind, that's where my thoughts goes. But God has given me something. And what has he given me? He's given me a spirit. He's given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. As Christians, as children of God, you have been given, we have been given the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. This is what you've been given. When you gave your life to Jesus, something happens. And because of his presence, he's made you alive. He's given you his spirit to live inside of you. And that's a reality that's there, that's real. God lives in you. And the, the verb tense in this passage actually is this idea of, of, of again, it's, it's, you've got to kind of think about it because it's, it's, it's taken from, he hasn't given you this, but it's still implied. But what has he given you? And that verb tense is, a, is that of a past completed action. When you gave your heart to Jesus, he has given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Or to take it to a whole other level, to explain it a little bit differently, Scripture teaches us that through the Holy Spirit, we have been given the mind of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul says this. He says, for who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we... His people, his, 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 the Christians, we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. What a reality. What a gift. We're not left alone. We're not left in the dark. 
It's not just, hey, try harder. But you've been given the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit. And thus, as we allow his spirit and his mind to control us, then we get to then know that that it comes with power, it comes with his love, and it comes with a sound mind. We've been given the mind of Christ, and it's not this little train engine that could. But we've been given an engine of power and love and a sound mind. Now, what's interesting, though, in this passage, though, is that what it also has shown us is that there's two engines at play. There's the engine of fear, and there's this engine of power, love, and a sound mind. And they both can pull, and they both can lead our train of thought. And, I, and for the remainder of our time, I just want to kind of play out what, what, what's, the, what's the life like when we allow the engine of fear to, lie, to lead us, and what's it like, or what could it be like if we continue to allow that second engine to lead us, the engine driven by God. And so here's the first. This first engine that does fight to lead us, that often does lead us, the, the spirit of fear. What does life look like when we're driven by the spirit of fear? When fear is the train engine driving my thoughts, well, I can say it's not pretty. I can say that it leads me in the opposite direction of godliness, and it pulls with it everything else. And I'd be the first to tell you that fear has its play in my mind daily. And I think that we can relate to that, though. And like all train engines, they're taking us to a destination. Where are some of the destinations that the engine of fear will lead us? The first is this, self-preservation. That I, I need to look out for me. I'm afraid that, that I or someone I care about will get, that, that will get hurt, or the world is dangerous, or, or no, one can, no one can watch my back like I can. And so I just, I'm just afraid of, and, and what I do is it then affects every decision, every action I think of. Sometimes we even think that people are out to get us, or I can't really trust anyone, or I don't want to be hurt or taken advantage of, and I don't want to then... I don't want to risk being vulnerable. Think about how this, that could play out in even Timothy, from Paul encouraging Timothy. And that whole context of that passage is, Timothy, you've got to stand strong. Look, you're, you're this leader. Don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Fan into flame the gift that God's given you. But the spirit of fear could lead him to go, I don't know if I want to mess up the you know, mess up what's going on in this, in this, in this place. I'm afraid, to, I'm afraid to rock the boat. I don't want to offend anyone. And so I don't need to say anything right now about Jesus. I don't, I don't need to call that person out. And, Timothy, and Paul's saying, look, don't be ashamed. What feeds the, in, what feeds the fire of this engine? What do you guys think? What, what feeds that fire? I think sometimes, honestly, man, our culture does. Our own propensity to fear does. Things I put in my mind. I mean, I'm watching movies and news and listening to me. I mean, there's, there's things that honestly feed this idea of self-preservation because you don't know what will take place. And so we try to hold on. And when we live this way, what does it functionally say about what we believe about God? Well, he's not in control. He's not good. And so be careful. The second destination it leads me to is it, means, it moves me to look inward for direction. This is this idea of I think I can, I think I can. It's up to me. I'm afraid to fully let go. I'm afraid to surrender. Or I'm afraid that he just won't come through. And so I, 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 I got to do it myself. 
And truthfully, this message, the, the message I've been, this is kind of the message I've been told all my life, that, that I have within myself all that I really need, and so I have to strive first, or, or I, I'll do it on my own first, that it's up to me. In this destination, functionally, I, who's on the throne of this one? I think it's me. I look inward because I, I got this. Or I'm afraid to surrender, or I, I kind of have this fear that God isn't enough. The third destination I think fear will lead us to is this idea it will lead us to cover or to hide. I'm afraid that if, I, if you really saw me, if you really knew me, then you'd see all this stuff and you wouldn't love me. I'm not, I'm not lovely. And so I, I'll cover or I'll hide. I don't, wanna, I don't want, and so I actually want to kind of maintain this image. And so I'll, I'll wear a mask. And I'll make you think that all is good because, to be honest with you, I don't want you to, I'm afraid that if you see me that I'll just feel, uh, maybe you'll condemn me or maybe there'll be shame. Or, and I think, at, sadly, at times, this, this, this makes its way even into the church setting or Sunday mornings. And what if, we, what if we, as a people of God, never shared what we struggled with? What if we, as a people of God, never were talking about our weaknesses and think about how that would tie us. I mean, like, the whole point of Jesus is that we are weak, that we do struggle, that we do need him. But if we never talk about this, or we, it, it limits what the Lord can do in making his power go clear through our weaknesses. But when fear drives us, we'll cover, we'll hide, we'll wear masks. And that's the pattern that we see in all, all of human behavior, starting in the garden. We're afraid, we're ashamed, we hide. And the heart of Jesus in the gospel says, don't be afraid. Trust me. That spirit is not for me. But I do wonder, can you think of a time in your life where you've allowed fear to potentially cause you to miss something that God wanted for you? Has there been a time in your life where you've allowed fear to maybe potentially cause you to pause and not go in that direction that the Lord was maybe saying, hey, do this. And I know for me, man, I remember there's a vivid scene in high school where, where a group of people were around me and they were, they were asking me about why I, as a, why, I was, why I was living, why I didn't live the way the, the other people in our class did, why I didn't talk like the other, because I, I was a Christian when I was young. Um, but man, being called on the spot in that moment, I felt the Lord calling me to say or nudging me to say, Hey, just tell them. Tell them it's because you, you follow God. You follow Jesus. And I remember cowering and not saying anything about God and even to the point of kind of denying him. I remember in seminary not choosing to take a class because I, I was afraid I, would, I wouldn't cut it. I remember moments where the Lord nudging me to speak to somebody and go, no, and justifying in my mind not to do it because I was afraid of whatever might come. I wonder for you, though, because I know that we all walk this road at times. Maybe, maybe you didn't submit that resume. Maybe you didn't speak up in that consequential moment. Or maybe you didn't say something when you're at school or work. And so the convicting question for us to think about is how many of us, if we were honest, do allow the engine of fear to drive our train of thought. But, but I want you to hear these words. The spirit 
of fear is not the spirit that God's given you. He's given you a spirit of love and a power and a sound mind. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, that same passage I referred to earlier says that we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us and what has he given us. And this leads us to the second engine, the one driven by God. He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. What, if, what, it, what would it look like if we were to allow this engine to drive our train of thought, to disconnect from the train of fear, the engine of fear, and to stay connected here and to brace the resources that God has given us. For we have been given power. And that's, a, that's an interesting one. If I were to ask you, like, hey, do you believe God's given you power? That'd be like, well, I, I know he has because he says it. But think about this. God's presence is with you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, Jesus says to his disciples. I call you to go out and make disciples of all nations because I'm with you. And wherever God dwells, there's power. And when he talks about power here, it's not the power that the world clamors for. It's not the power of like, hey, for your name's sake. But it's power that he's given his people for the effectiveness of us taking the gospel, taking his kingdom and moving it into the, into the reaches of the world. And he says to his disciples, hey, if you trust me and you go with me and you walk with me, you'll see even greater things than, than these, Jesus says to his disciples. And I want you to pray over people because with you, there's, I give you my power to heal, to cast out demons. To, you can speak, and, you can speak and, and the gospel, the Holy Spirit can use it to work. There's power there. And so when I, maybe you, have those moments of going, God can't use me. God's given you a spirit of power, and he's given you a spirit of love. And guess what? Man, through the Holy Spirit, he's poured out his love into your hearts. And as you allow him to pull you, you will not only love, but you'll grow increasingly in love for him and for others. The spirit of love gives you a love for people that you never thought you could love. Love moves you to the point that you're no longer concerned about yourself. Love casts off fear, Scripture says, and love is connected to so many things like forgiveness and obedience and servanthood. Love moves us towards people, not away. And God's given you that spirit of love. And God's given us a sound mind through his spirit. Now, the sound mind has this idea of self-control, of discipline. But this other, this other idea is when I was studying this, this word, there's this other even deeper understanding of it and is this that it's of a secure mind it's one that does not fluctuate with situations or or when people say or 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 because of what people could say or do say about you it's not even it won't even, it won't fluctuate even if you mess up or you fail or you sin that you have been given this secure mind that says all right i still am, i'm still yours god I still know what I still have this properly prioritized mind where I get what life's all about. I know my identity. I know my purpose. I know who you are. And so I've, you've, been, you've given me a secure mind, a sound mind, so that, that even, even when our finances aren't in order, even when, my, when the health situation comes up, even when, when, when whatever, whatever comes up, I can have this secure mind. So no, no matter what may come, my mind is sound. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. 
Now, it's easier said than done. I get it. I'm sure all of us here will acknowledge that we don't want to be led by, by fear. We want the engine, the second engine to drive us. Um, but, I, but I wonder, how do, we, how do we continue to walk in that? How do we continue to embrace it? And, and again, I just, I just want to give a few things really quick. I think first, memorize. Memorize 2 Timothy chapter 1-7. Hopefully already you've memorized it just from the last couple minutes. But I think there's something about meditating and thinking on these things, even in moments when you go, Lord, would you just, you've given me, you've given me a power, of, you've given me a spirit of power, love, and sound life. I know that's come up often, even in this week for me. Another thing I think, too, is I think, man, tr- trust. Pray this to the Lord. Ask him to help us. Help him to bring these things to mind when you need them. I think the more we look to Jesus as well, reminds us of his mind, the way he lived, moves us there. So the more you spend time just looking at Jesus and the gospels or in the word, I think the more we look at the community of saints and go, that person is this, this man, that's how I want to live because there's, there's, there's this courage there. The last few things I say today is this, that there's a destination that the train that God drives leads us. And the first image, the first idea, because I think sometimes it's helpful to get some images in our mind, is this, is that it leads us to courage. When we allow the engine of power, love, and a sound mind lead us, it leads us to courage. I don't know about you, but man, there's been moments in my life where, well, actually, all the time, actually, where in my role as care pastor, if I have to visit somebody in a hospital, every time I do that, I'm scared to death. Because I'm like, I don't know what I'm walking into. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to encourage. Who am I? And I remember verses like this. They go, I've given you something. And, and I wonder, and, 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 I, and you kind of think about different, different things like that where, where, man, you don't know maybe what the right thing to do at school or work is. But, it, but, but remember this, it moves you to courage. Um, when you feel like you, you can't forgive that person in your life or you can't love that person, go, no, I'm going to remember this, and it moves you to courage to take that step. Imagine the impact it can, it can have when, when God's people act and step out in courage. I mean, it's amazing. The second destination it leads us to is this idea of humility, I get this from, I was reading Philippians 2 this week, and Philippians 2 is this amazing hymn that Paul writes, it's a, it's an early church would recite it, it's all about Jesus, and, and taking how Jesus lived and then saying, live this way. But if you remember in, in, second, or in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, the way that that hymn starts is it says, have this mind among yourselves that is like, like Christ Jesus. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And you have the mind of Christ. So in other words, he's saying, let this engine drive your thoughts and your, your conduct. Have this attitude. And then it goes on and says, well, how did Jesus live? Have this mind of Christ. Well, how did he live? Well, he says that Christ Jesus, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. You see, the mind of Jesus leads us to humility. 
He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He wasn't clinging to power. He wasn't holding on to protect it. Now, he didn't empty himself of deity in that. I mean, that's not what the passage is saying, but he did. He was willing to, to forego or to let go of the privileges of heaven for you and I. Love drove him. And it's because of his love he was able to put others first, to serve others. And I think that the more we embrace the mind of Christ, it'll lead us, it'll drive us to humility, to be a people of humility. But even to take it a step further, it'll lead us and drive us to being a people who are willing to sacrifice. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, Jesus did, even death on a cross. When you, when you know that you've been given power, love, and a sound mind, I can imagine in those moments, Jesus, because he knew exactly what he was there for, and because he had a mind that wouldn't fluctuate, it moved him to be able to go, I, I, I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm willing to sacrifice it all because I know, I know what the most important things are. And so where will this train lead me? It'll lead me to do anything for my Savior because I love him. The implications of allowing this train engine to lead us is going to lead us to radical living, courage because I know I've been given a spirit of power, humility because I know that, that God, you've given me a spirit of love and it moves me to people and put others first. It moves me to sacrifice because I know, I know what life's all about and it moves me to just live for you only. When we live this way, the world will see it. But it all starts with who, what train engine are, are we allowing to lead us? You've not been given a spirit of fear. You've been given a spirit of love or of power, love, and a sound mind. So it's not this idea of I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. It's bottom line today. It's this idea of I can't. God can. I think I'll let him because of what he's working in me and through me. It's not mine. My mind goes this way. But he's given you something, and he's saying, let me. And may God's people, may we say, yes, let me think about these things, and let me let you lead me. Hey, would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for an incredible gift of your spirit that you have not left us alone. I pray for us today, just for everyone in this room, that God, if there's, if there's even a struggle to believe it, because at times we don't feel it, I pray that you would allow us, to, that God, that you would, through your spirit even, pull us through those feelings to what's true and real. I pray, God, that we as a people would be, be those of, of courage, of humility, of sacrifice. God, you know what's going on in our worlds, though. And so I, I, I ask that you would allow us to allow us to have you lead us into whatever those situations we're doing. And so, God, I pray for if it's our family, if it's at work, if it's at school, help us to be a people that follows and lives by the mind of Jesus today. We pray all this in Christ's name.